Hello, wrestling family. Welcome to Sound of Whistle with IHSA wrestling official Tony Clark. Each week, I will bring you interviews with prominent figures in the sport of high school wrestling. Welcome to Sound the Whistle with Tony Clark. I'm Susan Marie, and I have the honor and absolute privilege of stepping in to host this week's episode. Tony's definitely a tough act to follow, and I know that I have some really big shoes to fill, but I will do my best. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's Sound the Whistle. First off, I want to start by saying that I am so insanely excited for this episode's topic. It's not only incredibly relevant right now in the wrestling community, but also in daily life with everything that's going on in the world today. When it comes to stress, anger, emotions, it can all be overwhelming sometimes. I mean, we, we ask ourselves, how do we deal with it all? How can we recognize, calm our behaviors, triggers? How do we feel more at peace? Well, you're going to find out tonight. We are going to get the answers to all these questions and so many more. And the secret to unlocking these answers, drum roll, please, <laughs> mindful meditation. I am telling you, I'm so excited about this topic. I don't know anything about it, so I'm going to be learning right along with everybody. And to help me do that, I am joined by Philip Gouray, who's been a wrestling official for over 15 years. He's got incredible experience, and I'm so excited to have him on here to share his story. So welcome, Philip. How are you? And most importantly, my pet peeve is butchering people's names. So I am so sorry. I hope I didn't destroy your last name. Did I come close at all? <laughs> you came close. Uh, I myself didn't learn how to pronounce my last name until I was uh, deep in the Cajun bayou eating gumbo with from an old Cajun who taught me how to pronounce my name. So uh, and uh, even I get it wrong sometimes. So it's a great mystery. I love it. Thank you for making me feel better, making me feel less awful for maybe not not getting it right, but coming close. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll take it. I'll take it. So how are you doing? Tell us a little bit about you for those people that maybe haven't encountered you on the wrestling mat yet. Um, well, I got started in wrestling in middle school and uh, high school. I grew up in the suburbs and uh uh, after uh, high school, there was that was the end of my uh, wrestling career. So uh, uh, the wonderful Al Collins, uh, who has uh, since passed away, uh, hooked me up with some assignments and got me into the officiating side of it. And uh, it was a wonderful journey, and it uh, gave me a winter sport to do because at that time I was officiating softball during the summers and barnstorming across the United States to follow the JO circuit. And uh, it was, it, it gave me an opportunity to be indoors during the winter. So uh, um, I, I was able to uh, develop a, a multi-sport approach to officiating, which I think has improved my, my hope has improved my ability to uh, be a presence uh, on the mat. Mm, I love that. What made you want to even get into wrestling? Was this something you've done since you were a little kid? Was this always a dream of yours? Uh, wrestling is, uh, it's, you know, my father wrestled and uh, I took a liking to it. It's, it's a beautiful sport. As I've grown older, I've come to appreciate the, uh, uh, the uh, simplicity and complexity of it. It's, um, jokingly, I refer to it as playing a game of chess while you're having bricks thrown at you. Um, <laughs> it's a thinking man's sport that requires you to be at the prime condition. There is, it is the essence of sport. You are competing against somebody who is by all ability to measure your equal. And that's what we're trying to get at, at when we think about sport is, uh, competing against somebody who we believe to be our equal. And when you come off that mat, the only thing you can, the only, if you win or lose, you only have yourself to give credit for that. Uh, and that's what makes it such an incredible sport that I, I love to this day. And I am just uh, impressed with um, every time I go out onto the mat. I love that you say that. And what, what you were just talking about, you, I feel like it resonates with so many people, even outside of wrestling. It's, it's a mental 
game. So not only for the wrestlers, but for the referees too that are involved. This is a mental game and really this leads to exactly what we're talking about, this mindful meditation. How did you make that sort of connection? What led you to wanting to find more about mindful meditation? I've uh, been dabbling in meditation since I was in college and uh, I, I came into mindfulness uh, several things in my life came together at once. I was um, reading up a little bit on the practices of the Dalai Lama and uh, furthering my interest in meditation. But I was also recovering from post-traumatic stress at the time from a traumatic event in my life. And one of the things we worked on was developing a uh, mindfulness uh, and meditative uh, approach. Uh, I, I came to find that there is a lot of emerging research on using meditation as a uh, treatment for some severe mental uh, distress. And uh, in fact, I have a lot of friends who uh, have come from different traumatic events and arrived at uh, the practice of mindfulness. It's It's been quite a journey to uh, find this and in taking that mindful approach to one's lifestyle, we can find it in other areas and use it to improve our lives wherever we're at. Mm. Have you seen a difference then? Because I know we had kind of talked, you had, you had, this is new to you as of maybe five years ago. Yeah. So have you really noticed a difference in your sort of behavior or attention spans or any aspects of your life? previous to five years ago as compared to now that you've applied this and now how you see yourself? I, um, um, I see benefits uh, and I've noticed that people have uh, seen a different person in myself. Uh, I've become a lot more calm um, and I think that's something that's very well observed when I'm officiating now. Uh, I have I feel like I have a better ability to be empathetic and compassionate, which um, especially in officiating has made it much easier to work with coaches and athletes. Uh, and uh, people have commented recently that uh, even in times of stress, they, they just can look up and see that uh, I am maintaining a calm demeanor or a demeanor that's at least able to see another side of an argument uh, or another side of uh, the problem we're looking at. You know, I, I found a quote that sums that up so perfectly what you're saying by Bryant McGill. It says, your calm mind is the ultimate weapon against your challenges. Absolutely. So relax. I love that. And it's exactly what you're saying. And I think that's why this is so important. And I'm so excited to share this with people. And once we get into this a little more, we're going to help teach us how to get there because it's infective. I mean, when you, you said in those, in those situations where it's really tense or, you know, a coach is upset or the kids are mad at the call that you made or parents aren't happy and everyone's coming at you, your ability to channel all of that and remain calm and steady. That's, uh, it catches on. Yeah, it, it really just radiates, and people start to to have that same reaction that you're having. Yeah, it's uh, emotions, emotional uh, reactions, uh, positive and negative, are contagious. Um, and I've noticed uh, this season is that um, as it, you know, we see it when we're dealing with athletes, and I think the large uh, larger audience that. Um, we're reaching out to in this podcast, you know, are dealing with youthful athletes, right? Uh, kids under the age of 18. Um, and we have to understand where we're approaching them from, right? These are people who are experiencing these emotions, these thoughts, these behaviors for the first time. They don't know how to manage them. And uh, that is not a fault of them whatsoever. Uh, in one instance uh, this summer, I had uh, this winter, you know, I had an athlete who was just he was getting frustrated in the match. The, the his opponent wasn't um, wasn't um, wasn't wrestling 
in a particularly fair but not uh, unsportsmanlike manner. And uh, he lashed out with a closed fist. And I am, you know, of course, I immediately have to step in and, and, and stop that, but uh, and penalize him for it. But then looking at him and going, hey, I understand where you're at and giving him that opportunity to know that somebody has felt that before and going, Hey man, I know where you're at right now, but that's not acceptable. That gives you, that gave me an in to connect with him on a different level. And it um, did not lead to a great outcome in the match on his part. But what it did was, allow me to have a teaching moment that said, Hey, and connect with that individual and say, uh, and make them understand that this is a consequence for the action without judgment. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, uh, and that's one of those things where when we're mentally prepared for a situation to bring that calm, empathetic manner to people, we're able to connect and uh, govern our sport in a, uh, um, in a manner that is judicious. I completely agree. And I, I guess if I was outside the wrestling world, I, I would have no idea what you guys actually go through, but then coming in. So, I mean, my dad has been a wrestling official forever. Um, I think people know the name. So I am definitely a Weinsberg baby. I'm Ray Weinsberg's daughter. <laughs> so I feel like I have wrestling in my blood, whether I want it or not. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And being around and being a, a trainer at some of these events, I had no idea what you guys go through as a ref. I, I mean, in my head, I would have thought it'd be just so easy. There's nothing to complain about. You guys aren't the ones wrestling. No, that's not the case. You guys have stuff coming at you from every direction. So, oh, I feel awful for you guys. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, don't, I have looked at it. Um, and when I was going through understanding PTS um, and seeing the different people who are exposed to PTS, right, um, it's not just firsthand witnesses to extreme trauma. Uh, police, fire, dispatchers are, are a great analog for um, the stress officials are pro- proximate to. It's the repeated exposure to, ex- to stressful environments that can potentially damage the brain. And one of my goals in developing a mindfulness program and a mental health training program for officials is to prepare us for that stress and to give us tools to manage it, but also recognize when maybe it's become too much and we need to uh, get help. And there's no shame whatsoever in getting help. No, absolutely not. I mean, why, why wouldn't you? If the tools right now are available, I love that you're out there sort of letting people know it's okay. It's okay to ask for help and let's take advantage of the tools that are available to us. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, uh, you know, where we, as understanding this at a more holistic level, we have to train the body and the mind. Mm-hmm. So on that note, training the mind. So let's dive into this for us. For those of us that haven't done this and are lost and have no idea where to start, <laughs> what is at the basic simplest level, what is meditation? Uh, meditation um, is a practice, uh, a targeted practice of a certain concept. Uh, for mindfulness meditation, mindfulness is the, uh, is the present moment, being presently aware of the moment. Uh, being able to take a survey of the way we're feeling, the way our body's feeling, our behaviors, our thoughts, our emotions. And mindfulness meditation is the deliberative practice of honing that skill. You make it sound easy. I feel like it's not. <laughs> uh, it, one of these things I always mention when I talk about med- introducing meditation to people or I talk with fellow practitioners is that it is a practice. Uh, there is no, I, I don't think anybody who seriously practices meditation would ever say there's a mastery of it. Uh, it is uh, always a practice and there's always 
ways to improve. Uh, I would never think, I would never advise anybody to uh, sit down in a uh, lotus uh, pose and um, <laughs> meditate for four hours right off the bat. Um, that's, I would never tell a wrestler to execute a blast double without first teaching them. Um, so we want to introduce this concept in, in a very piecemeal manner and uh, introduce people to the practice of meditation in a uh, controlled fashion. Uh, it's it, asking oneself to be present-minded and understand where our emotions, our thoughts, and our behaviors are. Um, that's going to be really difficult to do when you've been called to the table and you've got a coach with a bad reputation screaming down your throat. Um, but it's really easy to do when you've come home from work or you've just started the day and uh, you've got five minutes to practice in a low stimulus environment. We want to work our way up to that point where things are starting to get stressful and we can take a, a deep breath and trigger a present minded um, state. You make a good point. So this is so off topic. It's just so funny. It hit me. I, I want to insert this. Um, I was cracking up when you were talking about the yeah. Lotus pose. I would love to know how many referees listening to this right now. We're sitting there saying, what the heck is that? <laughs> I love that. And then I, as my brain is going there, thinking of the funny thought of like, hey, major bonus points. If anyone can chime in in the comments, if any of you know what Lotus pose is, 100 points for you. But then you said something about a wrestling um, a wrestling position after that. And I'm like, I don't know what the heck right. that is. So. Uh, exactly. It's uh, <laughs> We're... Just trying to uh, connect this to the rest of the to things that we're familiar with. Um, yes, I love it. I digress. I'm getting yeah. so off topic, but <laughs> it has nothing to do with what we're talking about. I love that. So, but you made a really good point there, though, that it didn't even hit me until you said that about, yes, you're right. It, it's so easy if you're thinking about sitting in a room by yourself practicing this, but then to actually take that into the real world and keep yourself in check in the midst of all that stress. Yeah, that sounds very complicated. Yeah, that's, um, the, that's where I'm going with uh, this project I have had in mind um, in developing a training program for uh, officials to equip them with that ability to uh, click themselves back into focus. I love that. So how is this program... When this kind of rolls out, what is your goal with that? I mean, is it going to be something that you can maybe teach to the officials in seminars or something that would be online for them to listen to? What's the goal on bringing uh, it the current life? idea is to do it as a book, um, as a and, and do it as a training regimen? Um, okay. uh, I'm still experimenting with uh, my own routines and using that as an experience to you know, figure out what works for me and what work, what, what might not. And again, this might be something that somebody looks at and goes, well, that's cool, but I don't think it's for me. Uh, I just want to make sure that we have these options out there uh, to help mm -hmm. officials be the, uh, be the best and have the best ability uh, to manage uh, these events. Uh, it's one of the things that I have uh, believed for a little while now that is lacking in official training programs across sports is we teach the rules really well, we teach uh, decision points well, and we do a pretty good job telling people to get off the couch and get ready for the season, but there's a lack of um, training material to get an official mentally ready for the season. Mm, that's a great observation. Okay. So now let's let's do this because I'm sure a lot of people are sitting here listening saying, okay, that's awesome. Now I, I understand what meditation is. I understand why it's important, what it can do for me. How do we go about this? How in the heck does somebody start that's never done this before to start to practice and get in the zone? Uh, I think the best place to start, there's a lot of resources out there. All you have to uh, do is use the Google machine, uh, but it, it can be overwhelming uh, with how much there is out there. But um, there is an app out there called Calm that I highly recommend. Uh, one of the things that 
I think is a great is a great place to start. One of the best places to, if you're thinking about uh, incorporating a mindful practice into our lives and even into our officiating, is to start either at the beginning or end of the day, uh, putting ourselves either into a chair or sitting in a basically sitting upright in a comfortable position uh, and closing our eyes and focusing on our breathing. At first, telling ourselves, being very conscious of our breathing in saying, you know, breathe in and then breathe out and almost commanding our breathing and, and only doing that for maybe five minutes at a time. We want to work ourselves up to uh, maybe 15, 20, 30 minutes. And if some, something you really enjoy and you want to spend a weekend out in the woods, meditating for hours on the end, uh, more power to you. Um, but we want to start really simply. And the best way to do it is to um, is just focusing on the breathing. And then uh, from there, working towards a survey of the way we're feeling, starting with the way we're physically feeling. Uh, we call it a body scan where we start from the top of our head or from the bottom of our feet and uh, ask how that body, how that particular part is feeling. What, what sensation do I feel from that particular part of my body? And what we eventually want to work up to is a um, ability to be presently mo presently aware and take a quick survey of our uh, thoughts, emotions, and behaviors in the moment. Uh, for me, uh, I can I do this, you know, if I'm feeling stress or it's something feels like it's going to be out of control, I can take a deep breath and invite my mind back to the situation. And that immediately brings me calm and immediately brings me back into that moment. And I feel much better able to manage the situation. And uh, there's always an opportunity to take a, take a deep breath. I'm literally doing this with you as you're saying this, by the way. As you're saying, sit up, yeah. stand straight, breathe, close your eyes. I'm sitting here doing this. <laughs> well, I, I, that's awesome. And um, I think even... In just that quick test, you can feel all of a sudden a, a calm, a relaxation come over yourself. Um, that's that's one of these great things about it. As you practice it, you can genuinely get the sense of, okay, now I'm feeling calmer, and I can you can actually feel that moment when things take a turn. Uh, one of the things for me was uh, learning about my anxiety was learning when I was going to turn the corner in a meditative uh, practice and feeling, actually feeling uh, the anxiety peaking and then subsiding. Mm. So now are you better able to sort of, because you've been doing this, do you recognize those symptoms coming on and you're able to sort of stop it and bring yourself back down before your anxiety gets out of control? Um, I don't think I've ever stopped my anxiety because a lot of times it uh okay. it's so it's something that we can't control um right now i think the best way i can put it is that i can recognize when it's happening acknowledge it mm -hmm. and say but i have now i have more important things to do and we're just going to let my heart race <laughs> but we're going right um <laughs> It's it's a technique that I've learned that I learned through um, a guided practice and through some people who've helped me through this. But uh, when it comes to those really severe symptoms, it's it's come to a point now where I can uh, acknowledge that I feel that way and not allow it to influence my behavior. Um, you know, and this is where mm. we start seeing this in officiating right um a coach might say something or uh, you might hear something or something trickles into your mind that um, creates an emotional response what we want to do is to 
not ignore that emotional response. That is an unhealthy way of managing that. What we want to do is acknowledge that, yeah, that made me angry or wow, that made me feel pretty good but not allowing it to influence our behavior and allowing our behavior to be dictated by our rational mind. Ah, uh, I'm see, I'm already, I'm going to start applying this myself. What I do want to want to touch on though, is you mentioned it before when we had kind of talked not to get discouraged. Yeah. I want to make that point because I will say I have tried. I have someone suggested meditation to me. I tried it. I, I did an app. I don't remember what it was called, but the app had you sit down for 30 minutes every day for seven days to give this a try. In my mind, I thought this is going to be so easy. (laughs) This is no problem to sit down in a quiet room and just be still. I can shut my brain off. I can do this. I could not do this because I think I knew I psyched myself out. I was trying so hard to let my brain be still. So all I was doing was thinking about, everything possibly imaginable that I don't think I ever would have thought of beforehand. But when I talked to you, you made me feel so much better about that because you said, that's okay. This is, it's not easy. It's not something you can master and you have to practice this. So I want people to understand that, right? Don't get discouraged. This, this might not happen the minute you start this for the first time. You have to. Yeah, and I, the benefits are not immediate either. Um, it, but when you make those little bits of progress. You accidentally spill coffee and you look at the mess and go, okay, I have to clean this up instead of going, ah, crap, I spilled my coffee, right? It's those little things that all of a sudden you you realize that uh, uh, you're better at managing these things, Uh, you know, and being able to take an evaluation of yourself and go, oh, well, I'm feeling this, right? Um, I think a lot of people, when they start meditation for the first couple of times, they're so excited, right? I'm excited. I'm going to meditate. That gets their heart racing and uh, their (laughs) thoughts are racing. uh, It becomes even more difficult to calm down, right? Uh, (laughs) uh, But as we go, as we move forward in it, we practice it. We can go, oh, I'm excited. I feel that. I acknowledge that. But I'm going to be calm right now. <laughs> yeah, so do you have any, that's a, that's a perfect transition into, do you have any um, master tips on how in the heck to calm your brain down when you are trying to meditate? So for those people that are going to say, I'm going to try this for the first time, that get that excited. I don't want them to give up and say, I can't do this. I can't make my mind calm down. What can they do to try to make their brain just quiet down so they can really get the benefits of meditating? I think it's when we have thoughts, we have to acknowledge that those thoughts exist and tell ourselves, Mm -hmm. well, I acknowledge you exist, but I'm going to invite your mind, invite your focus back to your breathing. Uh, for me, if I'm having a particularly difficult time getting myself centered, it will there will be a conscious thought to say, okay, uh, please come back and focus on my breathing and uh, inviting the mind to that. And sometimes you're going to, sometimes we might spend the entire session inviting our mind to focus. <laughs> but the best you can do is at least try to uh, at least give it an effort. And as you continue to practice, it'll be very easy to close your eyes and take a deep breath and center oneself and to get somebody and get yourself into that present moment. Uh, To come back to officiating, uh, because I've been talking a lot about the physical, the mental, and the uh, emotional side of these, there's there's these three areas that are controlling our behavior. you know, you're standing and officiating for hours and hours at a time. And uh, that takes a toll on the body. And uh, I don't know if you've ever, uh, Summer, done any kind of uh, endurance competition, marathon, or some kind of uh, sport. But... Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, we can feel it a lot of times when we're doing those activities, we're thinking differently as we get more exhausted, uh, right? That mm-hmm. eleven that time around 11, 11 o'clock, 1130, um, 
we're a little more irritable, right? We get the hangry. <laughs> Very right? familiar with that. <laughs> um, that happens in officiating as well, right? We're just expending our energy on officiating and we are not the same official that we were at two in the afternoon as we were at eight o'clock in the morning. Um, and these techniques of being able to center oneself, recognize that that's the way we're feeling. Uh, this is one of those things that I want to incorporate uh, into officials' mindsets is that being able to take a survey of oneself and go, oh, yeah, I do feel a crash or I do feel like my um, my sugars are low or my energy is low and understand that that is affecting our ability to officiate. But invite, and you might have to invite your mind to focus a couple more times than you would say at eight in the morning when you're freshly caffeinated and the uh, McMuffin you had on the way is just getting through your system and dumping you with a lot of energy, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. I, I know somebody in my life, I, he will remain nameless, but I know he's listening. That would really benefit from this. <laughs> you know, um, it, it, yeah, it's uh, something we all go through and we all understand. And uh, maybe we do, maybe we don't. But once we do understand it, then we can kind of see ourselves from a, a third perspective, you know, third perspective. Um, we can improve ourselves as officials by managing those symptoms, right? And when we're tired, we go, oh, okay. Um, Maybe I need to work a little slower. Maybe I need to figure out a way to get a break in or something like that. Just knowing that at a certain point as we're officiating, uh, we are going to change as officials because our body is managing our reserves as best it can. Mm -hmm. Well, you made that point earlier too. It's, it's so great that you're focusing on this because like you said, referees, the, the focus is they want to make sure that they – you know, they have their food, they have their water, that they have their breaks, that they're taking care of physically, but mentally is such a big piece of that puzzle. And if you're not mentally there, that just throws everything off whack. So I see the relevance. I see how important this actually is, but yet people yeah, aren't really paying attention um, to it. I think uh, it, it's no it's no mystery and it's, it's not uh, something we don't know. You know, assaults on officials are up. Mistreatment of officials are up. Um, and... Organizing bodies are not doing as best as they possibly could to protect officials and change behavior. So we need to have um, we need to have a multi pronged approach to preparing officials uh, for these situations, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, understanding that you are going to be put in stressful environments. Hopefully, not often, but uh, you know, just stepping out onto the mat and managing, you know. Two, two kids throw in their peak physical condition trying to throw each other. Um, it, it, it does add a little bit of stress and it does get your blood running. You know, uh, I don't think anybody would disagree with me. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure that we are managing that, um, uh, that, that uh, we want to make sure we are managing those uh, internal processes that we have. Yeah. And so have you felt a real difference since you've been applying this? Have you seen a difference in the way that you officiate when you're at? I have, um, you know, both in, in both softball and wrestling. Um, I have, uh, the number of times I've ejected people has gone down, but, uh, I think the number of like unsportsmanlike non-ejection penalties has gone up. Um, but, okay. um, I noticed it, uh, a couple of years ago in a softball game, uh, you know, in, in softball, when you're on a two-man crew, there's a particular situation where you've got to make a call from uh, over 90 feet away. And it's uh, not an enviable position to be in. And, I, uh, you know, it was a game-ending call. The... Uh, you know, runner was upset that they got called out. The coach was upset. And I distinctly remember going, I understand why he's upset. I'm going to give him a little fat to chew. And 
allowing him that opportunity to express himself, but, you know, still drawing that firm line that we're not going to go, you know, we're going to allow this argument to go, but not to the point where it's going to be objectionable or actionable. Um, and okay. I think that my uh, management of coaches uh, has improved in wrestling as well, that we can understand, put ourselves in their shoes and understand, man, yeah, I understand why they feel that way and understand that uh, their view of truth is different from my view of truth simply because they're sitting differently than mm -hmm. we are, uh, right? And uh, being able mm -hmm. to recognize that. And a lot of times it, it, you know, it does boil down to a misconduct penalty because we are never going to get to that point where the two truths actually meet. Um, you know, it, it's mm -hmm. just being able to um, recognize that the guy four rows up in the stands who's screaming at you has a completely different view that he believes is correct. And, uh, you know, maybe he did see something I didn't. Um, you know, in officiating, mm -hmm. I, we have come to accept that as great a position as you can put yourself into to make a call, you probably are missing something. Oh, Absolutely. And it does, it helps <laughs> um, in managing wrestlers. Uh, absolutely being calm and empathetic. Uh, it turns a corner with them real quick. Um, especially when you're able to form that connection with them and, and not excuse any behavior, but definitely say, Hey man, I understand. Uh, I feel you. I see where that came from, but <laughs> this is the way it's going to be. <laughs> Exactly. And that's such a good, but that's such a fine line too, because yes, we're not saying at the end of the day, the ref's the one that makes the call. So yeah, you're not, you're not out there telling people, yes, I get it. Yell at me, scream at me. That's okay. I'm going to stay calm. No, but it's coming to, like you said, that common ground by letting them know, yeah. I hear you. People just want to be heard. I hear you. You're heard, but you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but I and there's a, where you're coming from. one of the books that I recommend is verbal judo. Uh, which was written by a former cop who um, essentially uh, he, he makes a mindfulness argument that uh, the best way to manage somebody is to make the, is to make them right. Find out a way to allow them to be correct, even if they're not. <laughs> and there is a time to, <laughs> one of the things he, he mentions is that there is a time for uh, certain management techniques and there's not a time for others. Um, there are some times where you just have to be calm throughout the entire process and there's no way that that individual is going to calm down and you just have to deal with that sometimes. Um, even though calm is contagious, you know, there's sometimes where, you still got to be calm. <laughs> I love that. That is going to be the new catchphrase, by the way. But can you, so can you give, um, does anything come to your mind as an example for that? Because I can just see, I mean, I can see so many refs eyes just going right now saying, wait, how do you convince somebody that they are right? Even when they're wrong. Cause at the end of the day, like I said, you guys are the, you're the officials, you know, the rules you're making the call and that goes, and someone's coming up and arguing to you about your call is wrong. How do you turn that around and make that the fact that they are wrong? How do you make them feel they are right um, to diffuse the situation? You give them something that they can gnaw, right? We got to feed the dog somehow. Um, you may not get, you know, we might just be, that's the way the call is. You thought he was in, I thought he was out. Uh, letting them know that they've been heard. Hey man, I understand. And okay. even, you know, you can give them, if you're in an exceptionally difficult situation, you can even give them, hey man, you probably saw it differently. But what I saw is mm -hmm. what I saw. And, um, you know, that's, mm -hmm. I had that this year a couple times where I could totally see why, if I was on the, you know, sitting in the coach's chair, that perspective they saw. Allow them to have that perspective. 
Um, you know, and if they're, they're going to be fully convinced of that, sometimes it's going to, uh, you know, mean issuing penalties, but understanding that, uh, you know, we have, we have to, uh, deal with the rulebook side of it, but we also have to deal with the person management side. Yeah, I think it's it's giving them something to latch on to. From managing ourselves, it helps us to acknowledge that he saw it differently because that gives us that empathetic response and, and helps us understand why they're at the table, why they might be upset. And when we understand the context of the situation, we can generally try to figure out a way out of it, a way to get things back to normal. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that means just getting them back to the chair where they can sit and stew in the chair, but not at the table. You know, um, there is no universal way to diffuse these situations that can be out of hand. The best thing we can do is to manage the things that are within our control, which are ourselves, our responses to these stimuli. I think the last thing we want to do is to get into a point where we are allowing um, others to influence our behavior and, and get to the point where we're reacting without acknowledging uh, how our behaviors are being influenced. That's a good point. And then you just, I can see where this meditation and the mindfulness would really bring you back because if you lose that and you escalate the situation, I mean, let's be serious. All you're doing is just taking time away from the kids, dragging on longer. The match is going to drag on longer. It's better to just, like you said, get them back to the seat, yeah. move and, on, uh, and keep things You know, running. I think, uh, I, I don't think I do Mr. Thompson a lot of justice, uh, but uh, Verbal Judo is a great book, which has a lot of techniques that are incredibly useful for keeping ourselves centered, but also managing other people who... A lot of it, right, first comes down to understanding we only have a certain amount of control over others. Uh, it, not, on a good day, very little. <laughs> but 100% control of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And, you and that's kind of what I want to, I'm earlier. trying to focus on uh, with this project is better self-management. Because as you've, as we've uh, agreed on, right, calm is contagious. Uh, if we can forever be calm and presently aware, there will be people who pick up on that. Absolutely. I think it's even the basic principle of dealing with children at the most basic level. They always say that if a kid gets hurt and starts to cry and is really upset, if you come in there and if you calmly react, like it's no big deal, mm -hmm. this is okay. The kid is okay. If you come in there and get all stressed and worried and, oh my gosh, and freak out and you cry, then the kid just continues on crying. And the same principle holds true with, yeah, uh, with teenagers, adults, with every age. It is, um, is you know, contagious. and <laughs> with wrestlers, uh, you know, in who a lot of them don't have that ability. You need to understand that even at, you know, the top level of officiating or the top level of competition, these are still people who are in their mid-20s, you know, maybe early 30s. Um, the brain is not fully developed even at that stage and uh, the part of the brain that is not developed that area of the brain that is not fully developed is the prefrontal cortex which is the uh, higher ordered thinking the delayed gratification being able to think about our actions before we have them so uh, one of the things that uh, i've always or i've been learning is putting ourselves in their shoes, un let it, understanding that their you know, blood is pumping, they're having an adrenaline dump right now, and understanding that they may not be in the rational mind and working from there to manage a wrestler. And, you know, sometimes that's just being the calming presence, communicating to them in an effective way that takes into account the way they're feeling. Um, and this loops back into that practice of mindfulness in that we are putting empathy first. So important. So with all of this, kind of what we've been talking about, and obviously it's, I would hope people that 
see the benefit of this because it just seems so clear what this can do for your life, what it's done for you. It's changed you in so many ways for the better. It can be done if you keep practicing this. What do you say to those people who don't believe in it or don't see the benefit in it or think this is just strange and don't Um, understand it? What do you say to those people? I I think that I'm not going to convince all of the people all of the time. Um, and there are some people out there who will think I'm, you know, some kind of uh, hippie snake oil salesman. But uh, I understand where they might come from. You know, this is, uh, this is a practice that is new and strange to some people. But there is, I would encourage people to, Uh, Look at some of the research that we've been doing on meditative practices as treatments for uh, managing uh, uh, stress disorders and talking to people, putting ourselves out there and talking to people who do engage in this practice or who might be in a situation where they are uh, using this. I am always willing to talk about you know, where my perspectives are and anybody who I, a lot of the people who I talk mindfulness with, um, I think we're all very open to giving people the information that they request and answering their questions. Um, I think for, you know, the tr- you know, if somebody is so skeptical of scientific research, um, that might be a lost cause, <laughs> but I think there is <laughs> good point um, uh, for those who just need to be convinced. Uh, part of it is, you know, look at some of the stuff that's coming out on this. There's uh, good research coming out on it. I would also encourage people to give it a try. Understand, like we talked about before, that uh, sitting down once a day, uh, you know, and trying to, you know, sitting down, when your mind's racing and, and trying to sit for 30 minutes right off the bat, no, you're probably not going to have results coming out of that. I don't expect a, a chef to be able to turn out a French omelet the first time they try. I don't expect a wrestler to uh, do a sweep single the first time. Uh, what I would encourage people to do if they're, skeptical or want to give it a try or don't know where it is, is to start small and work your way towards that. Um, And uh, try to get yourself into that present-minded awareness where you can take a survey of your body, of your thoughts, of your emotions, and be able to uh, uh, see if there's any change. One of the best ways to acknowledge that something's working is seeing measurable progress, you know, ask people after you've been practicing it for a while, if you noticed anything, uh, what do you think? Uh, I've been trying this. Have you noticed any different changes in my attitude or in my behavior? Um, you know, uh, I, I can only hope that there's some, I've uh, opened up some curiosity about this for some people and that they'll explore it. Um, there, I fully acknowledge that uh, uh, there are some people that we lost in the first five minutes of this podcast. <laughs> um, but those of you who've uh, <laughs> stayed on for as long as you have, um, I, I bet there's some interest there. Please take a look, go out and find some of these wonderful resources that are out there and that uh, will provide for you because there is uh, a there is something to be said for this, I think. There really is. I love that you, I mean, I have heard so many people say they didn't believe in this. It sounded hokey. It sounds silly. Why do you need to stop and take time to meditate? And then the ones that try it, I can honestly tell you, I have not heard one story where they said it wasn't for me. I know it happens, but I've just heard so many people say, I didn't realize I needed this. I didn't realize what, like you said, even five minutes of quiet time by myself could, I didn't realize that could change anything in me. And it did. I, I don't think and there's anybody out there really who amazing. can uh, say that um, sitting in a low stimulus environment with your eyes closed and just breathing for five minutes 
um, especially somebody who has kids, um, will say that that's not effective. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, there's especially with kids uh, turning kids on to some kind of meditation or some kind of calm presence. Uh, it's incredible. Like uh, you can see somebody, and I've seen this before. I've seen somebody who's really tense and uh, you know shaking almost because they just couldn't figure out what was going on, and just having them sit down and relax. You know, sit down and breathe. You can see the stress come off of them. You can see the shoulders just fall and and the uh, brow relax a bit. Um, I think that's, uh, I don't think there's anybody out there who would disagree that, yeah, sitting without any stimulation is a bad thing. Yeah, no, I want to challenge, like you said, everyone that is still listening to this, thank you for sticking around with us. I seriously want to challenge you guys though. Try this because what is five minutes of your life I think it will make such a bigger impact and don't give up. Keep trying this. And we want to hear from you. Reach out to us because I want to know if it made a difference for you. I want to know if you felt better. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I know you already do it. So I'm going to be calling you when it doesn't work for me because I can't get my brain to stop. <laughs> but I, I'm really interested to just make more of an effort to actually do this every Absolutely. day it's, and see uh, where it gets. Me. <laughs> uh, it's a good habit to pick up. Um, and uh, I can't speak highly enough of uh, the change I've seen in my life, the change I've seen in my friends' lives. And uh, it's just seeing people who practice this, you can definitely tell after talking with them. There's just a, a, little, more, uh, a little more presence to them. And uh, you can almost feel it. And now, now we're getting into the talk of aura and all that stuff. And that's, that's. So you were one of those skeptics too. I love this. And see, Absolutely. It, you it know, it's, you uh, once, when you found once what I you needed. <laughs> saw a little bit of progress and worked with somebody on it, it was, uh, we finally got there. Um, and for me, it's right. This is something that mm -hmm. is a part of certain religious experiences, but it is uh, uh, as a, in one of the books that I uh, have uh, provided you it's uh, can be a religious practice but it's not it's a purely secular thing um, it's it's something that we're trying to work with our own minds and uh, you know I think that uh, we're taking these practices from uh, the Dalai Lama and he's encouraging people to do this on a secular level because it's uh, uh, it's got demonstrated effects. And you have nothing to lose. That's what it comes down to. You have nothing to lose. You try it. You don't enjoy it. You move on with your life. But if you actually connect to it and you open yourself up to this, I think the sky, I mean, the possibilities are endless of all the benefits it can do for you. And how just does manage it feel less right? stress uh, in life? Come on. You know, just uh, see a stressful angle. Okay. Yes. I understand that's stressful. That's, that's the wonderful thing about it uh, is really being able to just manage it better. And you know what? Right now is the perfect time for this because we have nothing but time. Right? We are all stuck inside. Uh, yeah. <laughs> everyone's getting on everyone's nerves. So let's, you know, everyone go to their own corners of the room. Absolutely. Take right? five minutes. Just uh, be in your own happens. mind for a little bit. <laughs> yes. I, well, Mr. Weinsberg is going to be doing this. He's going to be sort of my test dummy with this because... <laughs> Bless his heart, Mr. Italian, but that also comes with an Italian temper. And this is, I think this will be really great for him to in that moment of when the tiniest things just kind of get you boiling over. This is the perfect way to test on how he can really center himself, take a second, take some deep breaths, change his focus. If, uh, and maybe if I could be in a tournament locker room and have uh, other officials just sitting down with their eyes closed in a pregame meditation, it would be an absolute dream to see. <laughs> I love this. So this is the goal. Let's you know, it's something happen. I do. And I know that people have walked in and what? been like, what the hell is this guy doing? But uh, that's where I think that this is leading to is <laughs> some kind of um, recommendation for a way to prepare ourselves for the meet we are about to do. So, um, uh, that's that's where I think the the next mm -hmm. uh, exercise project's going to be. That's great. You know, teams do that. They go in and they do the you know the chants or whatever beforehand. Why shouldn't refs have something? To yeah, do it's a, everybody's personal choice. And, and, uh, I think that's a great idea. If, uh, it's a habit that works for you. 
uh, please engage in it. Uh, be this is one of those practices that I do before my meet is that uh, uh, before I uh, change, sit down and uh, get five to ten minutes in, just asking myself to be focused and um, putting things, putting my thoughts aside and being there in the moment so that I'm ready to officiate. And, uh, you know, you can feel it almost immediately after you come mm -hmm. out, after you wait, you know, uh, bring yourself to the conclusion of your meditation, ready to officiate. Um, you know, we, we stretch, mm -hmm. we should stretch our minds as well. Absolutely. I believe that wholeheartedly. Cause like we said, I think the mind just gets so overlooked and everybody pays so much more attention to all the other aspects of wellness and we're forgetting about our mind and, and we uh, you know we're, we have we're to give that see, some attention we're going we to see that change in the sport that we everybody wants to see if we enact change on our own behalf first. that is a great way of saying it it is so true i mean it starts with you guys you guys are the the beginning of this and it will all just trickle down from there and make uh, the yeah, sport even I, stronger I, and more solid I, I totally agree with that i, I hope that uh even if uh one person who listens to this uh, is able to find some kind of uh, um, thing to make them a better official than we've done our jobs. That's perfect. So now it's going to be more. I have a feeling because I'm challenging everyone that's listening to this now to just give it a try. Just give it five minutes and see what happens. So when they want to do this, um, can they reach out to you? I mean, if they have questions, can they get a hold of you if they need some help? We, we're going to recommend this book to them. We'll put the links up on the YouTube uh, verbal, video. The yeah, verbal, verbal Judo and uh, verbal judo the Appendix from Beyond by Religion by the Dalai Lama. Ah, okay, so we will definitely, if you're listening to this on the podcast, um, rewind it so you can hear those book recommendations again. We'll say them again before we leave. And then also, if you're watching this on YouTube, we're going to put the links down below. Uh, we'll put the direct links up to Amazon so you can jump right on there and you can buy the books, have them sent to you. If you're a Prime member, you'll get them in a couple days and you can start diving into this. Reach out to Philip. He's always there, I'm sure, to answer your questions, to help you with this, to really help you Absolutely. get in touch and keep your mind as healthy as possible. Well, so um, is there I anything else? I just want to thank you and Tony and uh, uh, Ray for uh, putting this together. This is a fantastic outreach to officials uh, during the off season, during a time when even if we're doing other sports, that uh, we are sitting at home um, and absorbing this, absorbing this together. Uh, and I, I'm eternally grateful to uh, you guys for inviting me onto the podcast to talk about this little project of mine. We're so excited. Well, with this project, though, I want to ask you one last thing. When can we expect to see this? So I, I'm excited for the refs, and I'm not even a ref. So if you're, you're putting this package together, or this, this book and this program. Uh, well, I, I we hope to have to a come to draft of a uh, pregame or uh, early season preparation uh, presentation. I hope to have something ready before next season. Uh, a, a book, uh, hopefully in the next year or two. Perfect. As you know, uh, as a working individual, uh, writing takes time. So, but uh, hopefully before next season, I'll have uh, I'll have mm -hmm. something concrete ready to present and distribute to people. Oh, I'm so excited for you, and seriously, thank you for coming on. This this just gets me so excited. Once I get off the phone with you i'm gonna go meditate i'm not even kidding i'm gonna take five minutes i am gonna meditate on what we talked about right, there and you i am go. so excited uh, to, now i'm like energized for the rest of the day and, uh, seize it and, uh, you know enjoy the peace oh i will well thank you and again i've said this a couple times i am challenging every single one of you thank you for sticking with us through this entire podcast take five minutes enjoy this check out those books and come back to listen to Sound the Whistle with Tony Clark. I promise you, Tony will come back. <laughs> I'm not stealing his job forever. I'm so glad he let me come on and guest host this episode. But his amazing voice, he reminds me of like a Barry White. His Barry White voice will be back for the next episode. And if you like this, make sure you subscribe. Listen to this everywhere you can find your own podcasts. Pass it along, spread it to friends, especially this episode. It can help everybody. This isn't just a wrestling thing. This is a life thing. This is a mental health thing that will help every person in every walk of life. So please share this podcast with everyone and think about a little mindful meditation because like James Allen said, 
calmness of mind is one of the most beautiful jewels of wisdom. So let's increase our jewels of wisdom, everybody. Have a great night and let's go meditate. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you again, Philip. I hope everyone has a great night. Thank you, Susan Marie, for sitting in for me on this week's podcast on mindful meditation. Susan will be back with us next week as she interviews NFHS Wrestling Rules Editor Elliot Hopkins 